Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another outtake episode from Hobby Hotline of August 26th, an 11 minute outtake where Danny Black, Rich Klein, and I were talking about the problem of if there was going to be a gap in the distribution of football cards. And then so much news lately, I can't avoid trying to deal with timely topics. Shohei Otani needing Tommy John surgery to continue his pitching career. Still a great hitter. We talked about that and other things too. So again, I just strongly recommend that you just tune in. It's the first Tuesday of the month, but every Saturday and there's rotating hosts. A lot of fun. I'm on about once a month. Always enjoy it. You never know what's going to come up. People's questions and comments are in play. This week, it just seemed like there were so many big things that had happened in the industry. So much has happened since the national. So maybe that's going to be the new normal. Thanks sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. Thanks, Rich, and thanks, Danny. We spoke to Nick, who runs a local card shop, and he said this week Panini did solicit him to buy football cards they've printed for this year. They're still actively selling to dealers. Could this simply be they have inventory that by all means they're legally allowed to sell? Is this them trying to grab as much money as they can while they have product that people might not normally buy up? I just wonder. If they don't do that, they automatically lose. If I want to go forward and you want me to stop and you say, let me think about it, then you're not going forward. So Panini is trusting that they will win in some sort for this year that the NFLPA could have filed a restraining order or some kind of an injunction to stop them from doing anything right now. And they didn't do that. They just said the license is terminated effectively immediately. But the already approved, again, collectors vastly underestimate what it takes to put out a set. The reason it takes a year, there's not one checkoff. There's multiple checkoffs and approvals by players, by leagues, by photographers, copywriters, all that stuff. It takes a long time. That stuff has already been approved. And they already have a licensing guarantee, probably that they've paid for 2023. So it's unreasonable. It doesn't take a genius to figure it. In the long run, Panini loses out to Fanatics because Fanatics has the license. We already know that, whether it's this year, next year, the year after, that's where it's going. But Panini should win in terms of this year's product. I think that the Player Association is on shaky ground for saying you got to stop right now and dump everything you have in the ocean. Almost always there's you're done, but sell what you have, don't print any more or some accommodation for that. Otherwise, it's just not fair. People say we're heading into a second jump wax period. Could contraction be a good thing that there's less sets overall in the lawsuit of fanatics against panini they're talking about how poorly panini did and yet when you see the dramatic increase in cards produced in the last few years from panini how they've quote unquote grown the category to me there's a question where they've grown it too much but they've printed to demand Fanatics may complain about that, but are they going to lower production? That doesn't seem to be the way they do things. They're going to broaden distribution. 
they bought a printer. <laughs> they're not going to print less. I think they're going to print more, but they're going to distribute it more widely. If they do, then that's hopefully how they can grow the category in a way that's responsible. Fanatics can do much better distribution than Panini ever could. Not everything's going to work, but they're going to do things that should generate interest in the market. They're finding subtle ways to get into the ether of children's lives, where it's actually crossing their screen. I've got two 12-year-old boys, and they said, Dad, there's a baseball card commercial. Or my son went to buy a hat and said, Dad, they were selling baseball cards in lids. So for them to notice it, that's good for kids to be exposed to it as opposed to something else if we want the future of the hobby to go forward. Maybe that's too corny, but I think that's been a positive. No, I'm with you. The average person, I think, is going to be concerned if there's no new football cards for the next six months. That's catastrophic to me. I'm not talking about tops now, a card here and a card there, or little box sets or things like that, but a major wax foil cases, boxes, with some great chase cards for football, that would be really bad. And that affects everybody, requires the leadership of those companies and those entities to set their pride aside and maybe even greed and think what's best for everybody. For this year, I think it's to not put an immediate plug on Panini. Going forward, Panini already knew their days were numbered and collectors have adjusted to that. The people are, oh, I'm not going to buy Panini anymore because they're a lame duck. No, I think Panini was doing fine. But they're not doing fine if they can't distribute the cards and finish out the year, I think, with work they have already in progress. A lot of the work for card companies is before the printing. It's not in the distribution. It's in the preparation and all that stuff. So I hope cooler heads will prevail. So you don't want Fanatics Tops to rush the production of their 2023 issues. You want to make sure there's a continuous stream of product. Several of those first-round quarterbacks have already been anointed the starting quarterbacks for their team. If they're going to start the season of the hottest players of the year, you want them in their professional jerseys. You want them in their Ravens jerseys or their Giants jersey or their Patriots jerseys. You don't want them in the college jersey anymore. Bryce Young is going to have a rookie card in who knows what year. And I think that's to Rich's point for people who are chasing it. One of the questions is, Dr. Becky, you had talked about earlier the turnaround time. Rich, you were talking about this of production for when they want to create a set so that it can actually come out. Does the leagues, the Players Association, all being involved with Fanatics, smooth that process out, speed it up, get approvals quicker, work together better? Probably certainly shouldn't hurt, but again, it still isn't automatic. These approvals, hockey's a different situation, but they don't necessarily want to show blood or fights and things like that. So there's some things they're looking for. Paninis and fanatics and tops of the world understand what the sensitivities of the leagues and the player associations are, but there's still a lot of steps. There's more steps and more levels of approval than we realize. But surely fanatics should have an advantage when they have equity partners. <laughs> They've got even more reason to be pleasing to their partners. And it's not adversarial. They're not trying to slip something by. They're trying to work together. I like that. Panini's beef is that 
you never gave us the chance or you never said, hey, Fanatics has come at us with this kind of proposal. Are you willing to do that? They just did it. I remember the story of Freddie Freeman when he became a free agent with the Atlanta Braves. He wanted to stay in Atlanta. Atlanta made an offer to his agent, evidently, that was turned down. Atlanta went and signed Matt Olson immediately. Freddie Freeman was caught off guard, never told his agent he wanted to stay in Atlanta, ended up with the Dodgers, but ended up firing his agents because the information wasn't passed along of what he might have been able to sign for to stay where he wanted. Look at Panini. Did they give one offer and never get a call back after that? Is that dirty pool, as John Newman would say? Wrap it up. Rich, Brian Gray stepped down. Everybody's in a lawsuit. Where are we headed? Uh, How much money did he lose by his elbow injury? He's still the best hitter in baseball. What made him special to collectors was not just hitting, but also the pitching. The fact that he was really the first great two-way player since Babe Ruth in 1919, and then a little bit in 1920. And like Ruth, he was leading the league in homers, and he was pitching very well. And Ruth was playing the outfield when he wasn't pitching. Shohei was playing DH, and DH does not affect your pitching arm, really. He's going to get a lot of money as a DH. The question is, how much more would he have gotten if he had stayed a pitcher? His arm wasn't going out like that. And so Rich. He's not gonna get five hundred million. He's only gonna get four hundred million. Yeah, I feel really sorry for him. That's still generational. Yeah, I'm wealth. just saying he's must see. When you go to the ballpark, you got trout presumably they may or may not be together going forward, but he's still a great talent. And I wouldn't give up on his pitching. It's possible that he's gotta sit out a year, do his Tommy John again, perhaps, and then maybe in two years he's back pitching. It's and not, the thing is, happened. if you learn with Bryce Harper, you can continue to be a hitter, even coming back from Tommy John surgery. Maybe not quite as much power, but you still can hit, and you can still hit the ball well. So I did want to bring up Shohei this week. We've spent a lot of time on it. the NFLPA striking now right at the beginning of football season. When there ought to be such positive news about what's going on and the movement of some of these running backs. Who knows what's going to happen this year and who's going to merge of this next level of quarterbacks. And now we have this negativity. So I hope it gets resolved and quickly. We all hope it gets resolved. As you once said in some meeting we were having, nobody likes getting sued. Nobody likes getting sued. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. Good note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family full of attorneys. Hey, Rich, another idea you brought up is gene therapy. You're talking about implanting a collecting gene. And I think there's a huge question in my mind of whether it's a nature or nurture thing. I think there are born collectors with like a collecting gene. Maybe that's from the parents, the generational thing. But on the other hand, I think you can nurture somebody into being a collector or at least appreciating cards. I don't know if they'd be a lifer. So I think that's an interesting question because Fanatics has assumed that 100 million people wear jerseys and only 10 million collect cards. So we can get 100 million people collecting cards. And it might be that there's just so much nurture you can do. The 10 million are the ones that got the collecting gene and the 90 million just want to wear their team colors. I used to say back in the day when we were in the overproduced era that if I get 10% of the people attending baseball games 
to be collectors were doing just fine. I, I think you're dead on with I the I don't think we should think about this, but that would mean that fanatics is wasting their time, spending a lot Maybe of time trying well, to... Because, because there's also then the gift buying. Yeah. There's the gift buying where not just those people, but other people go in and they get one thing is you had somebody of uh, the pack. Is, that's where I was going for. You had people packs as they're walking into yeah. the stadium. Some are going to say, we don't want as Others are going to say, this was really cool. Well, where do I get more of these cards? There may be something in the pack to go to your local. Here's a list of local stores you can go to. And maybe 10X is Fanatic's stretch goal. Yeah. So if they only double or triple the size of the industry, are we really going to complain? The man in the house who calls-